Hello, what's going on? Rich Ryan here. We got some bonus content for you. So in this podcast episode, it's kind of a mishmash of a lot of things. So what I'm going to do is take you through the two different training programs that we do have for uh, OCR and for hybrid racing. And we talk about one specific concept in the beginning of the podcast, which is about strength training and the periodization and how to kind of manage and put that together long term for your planning. So if you are a nerd about programming, uh, if you like the ideas of the of organization around it and the concepts behind why uh, I specifically like to do this, you'll like this episode. If you don't necessarily love that and you like the interviews and the back and forth a little bit better, you might not love this episode because this is just me talking for a while. I'm just hit, sitting here. I'm just talking. And there's also a video of both of these on Reinforced Running uh, YouTube. I think it's just Rich Ryan YouTube actually. And so if you want to get an actual picture of what these workouts are going to look like uh, and see me talking, you can check that out as well. So cool. All right. Bonus content. Hello, what's going on? It's Rich here. So in this explanation, what am we doing? I'm talking about the next phase leading into the reinforced OCR training group. Some of the specific things that you're going to be doing in the next four weeks, uh, and the main crux of it is going to be some hill work, uh, up and down, doing some stuff outside. Now that we're going to kind of come into better weather, uh, we're going to be really opening up more volume when it comes to the intensity pieces, but really bringing the intensity down a little bit. So thinking longer tempo type runs, uh, because now that we're into the season, um, it does kind of build into longer races. So we got to start working on those pieces and that's going to be a little bit more specific for the actual races themselves. <clears throat> but before we get started, I want to talk about some uh, specific topic on strength training and on the ideas around periodization and the programming that comes along with it. So the the concept that we're going to be talking about is how to periodize your strength training. So there's a couple of different thoughts around how to do this. The way that we implement it in this specific training is that we phase through specific and general training. And within those two buckets, there are three different categories that are the same for both sides. So if we're going to be doing general strength development, general power development, and general strength endurance. So that means that's going to play around with the rep, rep ranges. And the on the specific end, it'd be the same thing, be a specific strength development, specific power, specific endurance. The difference between the two general and specific is going to be the actual movements themselves. And then what is going to be more toward what you're going to see on the demands of an obstacle race course versus what is going to be the movements that are going to make you the absolute strongest that you can be. So typically how we're going to use this is we're going to put general strength first. The general strength and the general bucket is always going to become come before the specific strength. And this is something that when doing strength work, I see a lot of times people putting really odd movements, uh, doing very specific type of strength work so that they're ready for their demands of the race. But ultimately, the specific movements, they're going to be a little bit harder to execute. And therefore, you're not going to be able to lift as much weight. And if you're not able to lift more weight, it's going to be harder to get stronger. You're going to get stronger in that one specific movement. And if you're limited on time, or you just are not that interested in building any type of actual global type of strength, then like you'll probably be fine just doing like sandbag lunges and zercher carries and things like that on top of your endurance work. But if you need to get stronger or if you feel like that is a benefit, which I personally do, I feel like it is a benefit to your running, uh, your uh, OCR ability to be stronger. It's just going to make everything a little bit easier. It's just going to make you more efficient. It's going to make you more economical on the, on the course. So I would always put general strength first and how what that actually looks like is um, doing your standard lifts it's going to be like a back squat deadlift strict press or bench press these are going to be the, the four main lifts like the four main power lifts that people are going to be using um, to train to act to get actually stronger and then once you kind of break those down you can then move into the three subcategories of the general so which would be uh, and, and these this order can vary. And, and there's a couple of different ways that I like to think about the the general strength. So one of like the standard uh, ways that this is taught is going to be do strength endurance first. So that would be moving into rep ranges of like 
10 to 20. And so the, the weight itself is going to be maybe around 50 to 60% of what your one rep max could be and just doing volume. And this is a great way to really help build tendon strength and to also just help familiarize yourself with the actual movements themselves. So if you're going to need to learn how to do squats, like doing a higher volume at a lower weight is going to be more helpful than just jumping right into like a five by five or a five, three, one type of program. We're getting into really low uh, uh, reps because that's then your form becomes a limiter there. So working on form and also helping improve your muscle tendon strength because it takes a long time to develop that and takes a lot of repetitions to help build that tendon strength. And the actual endurance itself, like I don't like unless it's a very specific thing. So that almost kind of to me falls into a specific bucket, right? Like if you're going to be training for high reps for the muscle endurance chances are it's not going to be as good as running. <laughs> chances are it's not going to be as good as hill repeats. Uh, it's not going to be as good as what your what the actual endurance endeavor is. A lot of times endurance athletes want to train muscle, muscular endurance, but that's what you're doing and when you're actually running, biking, swimming, or, or whatever that is. Um, on the high rocks end of things, it's a lot of volume in the actual event. So then you do need the muscular endurance for things like lunges and wall balls and uh, sled push and things like that. But that's, that's a different event. If we're talking about just general strength for an endurance athlete, I don't necessarily love this category. And like I said, it's good to build up the volume for tendons and, and it's only, and it's probably better to do it in phases of three to four weeks, just to help kind of prep yourself into the, the strength sessions. And it also can really, like hurt your speed, right? This is really kind of like base training, like long, slow, easy type of miles and how that doesn't necessarily help you get faster for like a hundred or 200. That's kind of what this is too. It's not going to help you be more explosive. It's just going to really help prep you for the next, uh, the next phasing, which would be general strength. And so general strength would be anything. I like to, to be under five reps. So there's a couple of different thoughts on how to accomplish this. Uh, and, and like in terms of the total volume, five by five is a pretty standard program that a lot of people do. I think that's a little bit too much volume for a novice type lifter. I think three by five is plenty five by three. I love five, three, one, which is a program that that drops reps and ups weight and finishes with a, a max uh, rep. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later in the, uh, in this video, or just in general, like that's because it's a program that I really, really enjoy. And I found the best results from my anecdotal experience and from uh, the athletes who I'm coaching their experience too. like that really, really helps kind of build the absolute strength. So to build absolute strength, yeah, you're going to want to keep those reps low and the volume really not that high. Another, another decent rule of thumb that I've heard is trying to keep the total amount of reps under 10. I've tried this and it's just like, you're going to really need to get the volume, the, the weight pretty heavy for that. So it would be like five by two, it'd be uh, three by three, things like that. So things that are going to be really heavy. So you're going to be working in that like 88 to 90%, 85 to 90% of your one rep max, which is taxing. Um, and, but there's not too much volume and that's really the kind of strength that we want to accomplish as runners is our absolute power. And the more strength we can develop in training, the better off we'll be as we get into the races and makes everything feel lighter, makes everything feel easier. I think it makes you faster. If you're consistently doing strength training and working on your running mechanics, you're going to get faster by getting stronger. You know, like it doesn't necessarily correlate to getting stronger in putting on more size or putting on more muscle, which is this big barrier that uh, athletes who are in the endurance space run up against. Like, oh, if I get stronger, I'm going to need to get jacked. And like, that's really not the case because there's three different ways that you can get stronger. It's through that muscle tendons, um, muscle tendon strength, that um, muscle stiffness, and then the cross section of the muscle itself. The third one is putting on more size, putting on that, that like hypertrophy and like adding muscle, which is going to be again, more in more toward like that in, endurance type of rep ranges. So sometimes athletes that want to train for endurance are doing like sets of eight, 10, 12, 20, that's kind of more in the hypertrophy rep range. Um, but again, to get bigger, you have to eat for it. You have to really account for the caloric intake. And that's how you put on muscle, not just by getting stronger, the doing three by three, five by two, five, three, one, that's not going to make you that much bigger. If you're, if you're new to the gym, you might get a little bit of gains just because of the hormonal response that will occur. But uh, really, 
you need to eat to put on mass. So this is where I really like to be that, that general strength right in there. And then after the general strength is general power. And that's what we're going to talk about in the, that's what kind of phase we're working into, into the RTG, the reinforced training group is that power phase. So this is just like a speed block. This would be like doing like coming out of some threshold and then doing some 400s and 200s, right? This just is, this is going to help your maximum explosion and really help with your biomechanics and just all of those pieces just to make sure that you're able to move fast through space. So that these reps are very low and the weight is also very low. So you're kind of using the weight that you would use for muscular endurance and then the rep scheme that you're going to use for general uh, strength. And you're going to go as fast as you can. So it's like your maximum velocity. And there's some pretty cool studies about the velocity of your movements and how it can lead to absolute strength as well. But the key to it is to make sure that the velocity is close to as like 100% as you can do. And you'll find that after three to five to 10 reps, not, not even 10, three to five reps is going to be the fastest that you can go before you start feeling fatigued. So it's better to do three at like 99% velocity than to do 10 at 90 because you're not getting to that absolute peak of your ability with, with your velocity uh, training. So that is going to be the last one. And with that, I do also like to have a, a little bit of a, a heavy lift with the actual um, plyometric work. Cause that's another thing this will be, this is mostly going to be like plyos. So think like bounds, single leg bounds, um, depth jumps, thing like wall ball slams, wall ball tosses, wall, uh, things like that are going to be really what we're going to be training for velocity and for your absolute power. And I like to just do like one or two of those. So I'll do like a lower body plyometric and then maybe an upper body, upper body plyometric and maybe one other, and then finishing off with a concept called, uh, MSP lunges or MSP thrusters. It's like your maximum sustained power. And this is also going to be in this block of training for the RTG. And what this is, it's been, it was developed by a cycling coach who, thought that if you can increase the duration of the maximum amount of power that you can produce, like that should be trainable, right? So he took the concept of working in those three to five rep ranges, but he added short rest and the short amount of rest allows you to continue to work at that high work rate so that your, and your power endurance also expands. And that's kind of the concept behind it. I do enjoy it. I like it. I think it does work. And I think it's a good way to kind of work in speed. I don't know, like the book, like the actual book itself is just like not good. And it like, it does a lot of explanation, a lot of like anecdotal stuff that is just like not great. It's better off like 3000 word blog article or just like me telling you what it is right now is basically the explanation. So what MSP looks like is you're going to be taking a maximum some sort of explosive movement. So lunges are going to probably be the best one, especially for our endeavor as endurance athletes. Uh, and like, like I said, he developed it for cycling. So what it looks like is you're going to do, you're going to have light, light ish weights, something that you can do a Mac of fastest lunge possible with, and it's going to do six to eight lunges. So uh, that's on, so three to four each leg. So it's going to be one, two, three, four, five, six. You're going to rest for 10 to 15 seconds. And then when you're done and right after that rest, you can go right back into six to eight more lunges. And you'll find that you're, you're, you're going to be able to sustain that power. And then you're going to do that for two full minutes. So it's like six reps, 10 to 15 seconds reps, rest, six reps, 10 to 15 seconds rest until you reach about two minutes. And then you can progress this linearly. Really, it's it, you can go from six to eight and then you can do that for two minutes. You can do it for three minutes. You can do it for four minutes, you can do it for five minutes, or you could add like slight weight if you can still move at your fastest. So I usually use like 20 pound dumbbells in each hand. So really not a heavy lunge at all. And even then sometimes I need to kind of move back down to 15. If you're being honest with yourself, don't try to do it with forties or fifties. You're going to go slower unless you are an absolute monster. And if you are that monstrous, you're probably not an endurance athlete uh, right now. <laughs> you might be down the road, but probably not yet because you are probably huge and super strong and you're working on just strength. So I would kind of keep that weight pretty low when it comes to the MSP stuff. So the way you kind of order the, the strength training is, is really up to you. Like, like I said, traditionally it's taught endurance, strength, power. 
I kind of like doing strength power endurance uh, or, or actually I like to lead off with strength and then kind of, and then volumize it and then kind of work into power. It, like it can be however really you, you want it. Like the way I said was strength power endurance, but it's the same thing as endurance power strength and endurance strength power. So what I, how I like to do this is after endurance phase, I like to work into a power phase because after the endurance stuff or the high volume, it feels slower. So kind of working into a speed rep. So building this like base of volume and then working speed. And then you have this base of speed to then work into strength. Ultimately, the strength phase is the most important because when you get stronger, you can do more reps, more like heavier weight for more reps. And you can also do more uh, like faster reps with heavier weight. So I'd probably start out with general strength, move into endurance and then power. That's kind of how I like to do it or doing like two cycles of strength and then working into the others. But these can be done in four to six week blocks. Like I said, the strength, I can find six the most endurance is probably the most demanding. So you like to do that in threes and power also kind of like two or three, um, because it's not, it's just, uh, not as effective as general strength, but it gives you a little bit of time to work on some of like your actual velocity pieces so that you can get back to your strength and move a little bit faster, move a little bit quicker, feel a little bit more confident with your speed, which is ultimately going to help your lifts. So once you get done with that general strength block, you kind of move those exact same principles over to the specific stuff. And then that is where really where it's going to be. You can kind of get creative with what your uh, strength movements look like. I like to do, uh, instead of having a lot of backloaded, I like to front load things. I like to do zercher stuff, which is holding the barbell or sandbag in the pits of your elbows, like right in, like your, like in front of your sternum. Really kind of throws off your center of weight and makes things feel way heavier. So Doing things that are a little bit more odd object, heavy sandbags, atlas stones, yoke carries, uh, things that are going to kind of put you out uh, and like, and think also things that are going to kind of like move you through space uh, like you would in the race. So thinking of sandbag carries and bucket carries, the atlas stuff, uh, just even like the swinging around on the obstacles, like making it a little bit more specific, I, I would say in that second block where the first block is building that strength. So which would take, you know, it could take anywhere from, 16 to 20 weeks and then doing the same type of 16 to 20 weeks in specific. And the specific would probably line up a little bit closer to one of your goal type races. Cause you're all, you're not going to be putting on too much strength. You definitely won't put on any size because we talked before, but you're going to be also maintaining that strength because it doesn't take much work to maintain uh, the, the strength that you have as long as it's staying consistent. And as long as like your nutrition is in a good spot. So you can take those same principles and just be creative. Like I said, I like to do uh, like little odd things like elevating your your foot for uh, lunges and things like that. Uh, just making sure that it's a little bit more race specific or you can just do like race, like carries and race specific stuff. So that is the concept that I wanted to touch on when it comes to actual strength periodization and programming. So if you're going to try to go out and do this yourself, like this is a really cool template just to sit on and have it in your back pocket to be like, okay, what do I do next? Because you want to make sure you are, changing the stimulus no matter what after at least at most six weeks and then and then moving on because uh, and a lot of it's going to work <laughs> the one thing with strength training is that it works as long as it's done consistently and it's done and it's moved in and out of of different times so let's get into what the actual programming is going to look like for this next training block so if you're just listening now i'm going you can check out the actual video on youtube to look at the actual movements and things that we're going to be doing for this next block and just a reminder you can get a seven-day free trial for the ocr training group and then you can it's just uh 29 a month after that so if you're leading into a next race or if you're just building up some general strength like this is a great place to to do so so some of the so we're going to be doing some general power work after coming out of the last block. One thing that we are going to do is have a heavy lift before your actual plyometric. There's been some cool studies and some it's like a kind of a cool response that you can get from lifting heavy and then going into a plyometric because you're in your your body is so primed and it has to activate so much of your your central nervous system that like it can move better. It can move more explosive. So instead of just doing like a max vertical jump and then like resting for a while, doing a heavy lift and going directly into that jump will make you jump further. It will make you jump higher. And it's a, it's a short time uh, response. It's not like a permanent adaptation that you can create, but the more you can jump, the faster you can do, like 
the more those long-term adaptations will sink in. Like the more work you can do, it's like lifting heavier, right? Like the heavier you can lift, the stronger you will become. So that's kind of the same type of concept here. So you're gonna see in the back squats, we're gonna do uh, three by three. So again, we're kind of working in that general strength, but uh, we're gonna be doing ascending weight here. So 80%, 82%, 85% right into a vertical jump. Another cool thing you can kind of play around with if you're doing power training is doing an overcoming isometric and then into a plyometric. So what, what that typically looks like is that you would add weight to the bar and you'd have like pins that you could set up in your, your squat rack. And say if this is like the example for this, uh, um, for the back squat, you're then able to push, like you load up something that's like heavy-ish, but not anything that's going to crush you. So like, say you're going to put 135 on the barbell, you're going to have the pins, like you kind of have to set them up funny. You're going to have to put them up a little bit lower than like half depth. And so like your squat rack itself, like the squat handles, um, like the J hooks are going to have to also be set up below those pins. So when you dismount, you have to kind of be in that half rack position. And so you get under the weight, you, you, un, you, you unrack it, and then you push it as hard as you can up against these pins. And what that does, it allows you to produce as much power as you possibly can without moving, right? So it's this, this heavy isometric movement. And also adding the weight on the bar, it's going to also have gravity pushing that weight down on you. So like you're overcoming this weight and pushing it and, and creating an isometric, where if it was a light barbell and you were just pushing it hard against, you're not getting that eccentric loading that you would get from uh, like an actual squat, right? Like the squat, when you go down, that's the eccentric loading. You put, you're making sure like the weight's actually pushing you to the ground. You're letting it take you. Where in this, you're not letting it take you. You're pushing against it and it's pushing against you and you're pushing against the pin. So it's pushing in both directions. So it's a great way to kind of do, but it's a little funny to set up. <laughs> so that's why this, this, uh, this doing a heavy back squat is going to give you pretty similar results to that. Um, but it's fun thing if you want to, to work it out. So you'll see in the back squat and in the deadlift over here on Thursday, same, same rep scheme. And then you're going to move right into some sort of vertical jump on back squat. And you can do single leg broad jumps after the deadlifts. So making sure that you're going as explosive as possible and the deadlift and the vertical jumps are going to be three by three. So very light on that. We're going to throw in some kettlebell swings. Kettlebell swings are very important to make sure that you are exploding as fast as you can through your hips and also pulling that weight down as hard as you can. So that way you can get a, some like hip uh, explosion. And also it gives you a lot of lat activation. So this can actually help like your pull-ups is, 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 is uh, kettlebell swings and, and like getting up over the like walls and things like that. So these are actually a great movement if you're doing them right. Too often I see somebody exploding from the hips, letting it float out in front of them and just letting the weight carry itself back down, just controlling it. Don't control it rip it back down underneath your, uh, your hips. So this is also a good way to kind of work in that power. We're going to do some, uh, and after the, on the, on Thursday, we're going to be plyo pull-ups and some dumbbell ground to overhead for the ground to overhead. You could also use a sandbag if that's something that that's what that is simulating, right? Taking the ground, taking dumbbells from the ground, either getting them to your shoulders, putting them overhead or snatching them straight over. So this is like moving something from the ground, putting it high up. So it's like sandbag, Atlas carry bucket, that's what this is going to help simulate for the grip stuff. We are going to be doing seven, three repeaters. So this isn't really, this is kind of more in that power endurance. So it's seven seconds of a hold. So I want this to be on some sort of ledge or rock climbing hold or towels. And it also could be loaded. So you can put some weight on yourself to make sure that you are, um, uh, that, it, that it's challenging for seven seconds and then a three second rest. And then back to the, the hold for seven seconds, three seconds. Rest. So you're going to do that six times for a minute. And that's going to be one rep. And then you're going to finish up with that. You're going to do some clapping push-ups, and you're going to do some dips on Thursday. The dips I want to be lower, like a slow lower and then an explosive press up. So three by four on both of those things. So seven, three repeaters are actually a lot like the MSP lunges, which you're going to be finishing up on Monday and Thursday with in a linear fashion. So just how we said before, so working on that power endurance, because ultimately we want to work on power, but it's an endurance endeavor. So the more powerful we can be for longer, the better that's going to be. So that's what the strength is looking like. And it's just going to be a pretty standard progression through the squat and through the vertical jumps and things like that. We're not going to really add too much. Feel free to add five pounds maybe each week on the big lift. But again, it's about explosion. So this isn't like 
you're not going to see a tremendous, this is what, why people skip power, uh, power phases is because you're not going to see a tremendous movement in your, um, your numbers, your numbers are going to be lower. There's no maxing out. There's nothing that's really going to wow you like how in five through one, you get awesome results just, um, in like three to six weeks, this you're going to be kind of, we're going to kind of be steady because the, the, the goal here is to produce power, right? And to do that, you have to be working at these low reps and being consistent. So it's not a, a ton of progression. The main progression piece is going to be the M MSP lunges where that's going to increase in reps and in, um, and in volume each, each week. So that's what that's going to look like the next couple of weeks. So in terms of the actual running pieces, so we are going to stick with two quality sessions per week. We, in the last phase, we had one quality session that was very compromised style of running. And the other one was some heavy, fast hills. So we're going to kind of continue to work off of that. And we're going to change the stimulus from the compromised stuff and working more aerobic development as we prepare for longer races. And the way that you can make this a little bit more specific is by doing it on trail or whatever type, type of, um, whatever type of terrain you feel is best, even if that, even if that's hill. And on the other side, we are just going to be doing some straight up hill repeats. Um, like volume is hill repeats of up and down. So I want this to come down. We've been working on a treadmill where we've been working straight up our running up. So this should just be, so I want this to be up and down. So what the tempo stuff is going to look like, we're going to start at three miles. If you're feeling like your volume has been high enough uh, through the rest of the week, if your long run has been consistently 90 to a hundred minutes, you can feel free to go three to five, three to five miles for this first one. Um, we're not going to progress incredibly fast here. We're going to be kind of sticking at three miles, three miles, then going four miles and five miles. Um, and tempo runs, what that is, is one rep. <laughs> That's the one thing I like about them. I don't like tempo runs because I think that they are, um, hard, <laughs> but I, what I do like about them is it's one rep coming out of some like faster stuff where you're doing like 10 to 20 reps of stuff. It's just like, is forever daunting, like countdown for tempo runs, one rep, and then you're done. But the rep is super long. So it's going to be three miles to start. And we want it to be in that half marathon to marathon type pace. So the pacing matters a lot here. And this is, if we get two in over our heads and turn this more into an anaerobic effort, or even like that thresholdy type effort, we're not going to get the aerobic benefits that we need. And coming into these longer races, there's mostly aerobic work. And some of the hills and, and things that might turn you anaerobic, we're going to work on on a different day. So you should be very steady, should be very controlled. It should be something you are hitting on the nose. There's also great practice for pacing, right? Like I don't want this to be, you run a 630, then you run a 650, then you run a 635. Like that's a bad job unless it's over hills, which of course is, is, its, is its own thing. So if you are looking to be in, um, like this is kind of like high zone two, low zone three, if you are going to work off of your heart rate, um, or just like an RPE of about like seven, seven and a half out of like a scale of 10. So something that you're going to be able to hold for an hour and a half to two hours to two and a half hours, if you were trained in that appropriate, uh, for that appropriate duration. So make sure that you are doing your best for that. And then we're going to finish with a carry, right? This is where we're going to get a lot of our, our, our work in. That's going to be OCR specific. We're just going to do some, uh, carries under fatigue, um, as a way, just kind of spice up this workout for OCR. Um, there's not going to be a ton of specific compromise style of training here because it's, it's we just need to get stronger. And then the hard hills up and down. So it's going to be three by six minutes. So it's going to be six minutes of going up and coming back down. So if you have like a two to four minute hill or something like that, or a one minute hill, one, one to like three minute hill, I think is probably best. So you can kind of go up, up, up and down a couple of times and then you're going to rest. And then you're going to do that two more times. Um, adding with some warm up and cool down on there. Make sure you do get a good warm up in at least 15 to 20 minutes of that warm up, And that's going to just progress pretty standard. Then we're going to go four by five. So we're going to get 20 total minutes of that, of that up and down. And we're going to continue with the three miles of the tempo. We're going to move into four miles of the tempo the following week. And we are going to put a, 
uh, four by six. So we're going to add a rep to what we're, where we started. And then we are going to finish with that 60 minute of vert gains to kind of keep our uh, benchmarking in place. And just another, and this is going to be a five mile tempo. I know it says four here, but it means five. Um, that's what that progression is going to look like. Again, I want the long run. Like I gave options to split the long run into biking, rowing, and skiing, uh, but, but we need to start running a little bit more. Now that we're kind of getting into the season, you can start to see some of the longer stuff coming. We need to kind of get on our feet for the longer duration, nice and easy, nice and steady. And then, uh, so we're going to do two quality sessions of running, one long run. The strength sessions shouldn't, won't interfere with your endurance training. You might be sore a little bit, but running sore uh, is fine. <laughs> you just have to kind of do it. Um, I did designate one day on Wednesdays to make th make sure things are staying flat. And then that's really the main uh, the, the main concepts for this next period. So I'm excited to kind of see what you guys think about the power stuff. Let me know what questions pop up again. If you are not part of the reinforced OCR training group, I hope this was helpful. Again, you can get a seven day free trial and then it's just 29 bucks after. So if you have some races coming up and you just want to test it out, see what it's looking like, uh, by all means, give it a shot. Cool. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, what's going on, squad? In this explanation, we're going to be talking about the first week of the Hyrox and Decafit training program, and then the following four weeks of what is to be looking at what, what to expect in those upcoming weeks. So if you are listening, you can take, take a look at the YouTube video. If you're on the YouTube video, make sure you stick through because we're going to show you some very specific examples of what these workouts are going to look like. So let's just dive right into it. So we're coming out of the testing week, and... Everybody who comes into this program is going to be encouraged to do this pro this testing week. So we did a five rep max with a DECA benchmark for uh, squats. We did a five rep max for um, deadlift. We did a functional heart rate test on the bike. And we are going to do a 2K row and a classic CrossFit benchmark called Karen, which is 150 wall balls, which I'm recording this on Friday. That is tomorrow. I'm excited for you guys to hit it because it is a doozy. Both of those. The row, you can suffer on a rower more, more than anything that I've ever suffered on. Like you can always like keep pulling hard. It's really, really challenging. And this was spread out across the whole week. So we had some aerobic training on Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, and then just some optional stuff here or there. So so the reason we did the five rep max is to kind of get a projected one rep max for deadlift and back squat. Once you go through that, there is a formula that you can kind of punch it into. The formula is the amount of weight that you lifted times the amount of reps that you lifted at four times 0 0.0333 plus the weight that you lifted. So if you lifted 250, 250 times five times 0 0.0333 plus 250. I don't know why it's that decimal number. It just works. And it's pretty accurate, especially for... For squat, I found it's pretty accurate. For deadlift, I wanted to make sure that every lift that you're you're doing, you're taking dead stop from the floor. Um, cross, if you have a cross background, you do like that tap and go, which is great for doing multiple reps in competition for things like CrossFit. But for lifting one rate, one weight off of the ground, it's not a good indicator. So I want you to stop dead at the bottom every single time. And that's something we're going to be doing for the majority of this because the competitions in DECA and high rocks, it's not tap and go. Uh, deadlift it's a lot of big heavy and and pulling each time so it's it better to have a dead stop from the ground so once we are now through with the testing week we can have a good idea of what it's looking like for the next couple of weeks oh also the functional training um bike test that's another thing that we can kind of get the the average heart rate for what you're looking like um so when you are doing bike work down the road you have an idea of where your zones are and when you're working too much or not working hard enough because most of the time we're going to be doing the bike work is going to be pretty easy. So I don't want to make sure you're not going crazy. But looking into this first week of training, long runs, I do like to kind of break out the uh, the, the running on the aerobic efforts into specific movement pieces just done at an aerobic easy pace. So this is going to be a 90-minute AMRAP where it's going to be one mile run, 1,500-meter row, three rounds, 10 walking lunges, 15 burpee broad jumps, cycling through that for 90 minutes. You also do have the option to run this entire duration if that, or split it and run like 
60, 60 minutes, do this for 30 minutes. However you want, I want a light uh, aerobic effort done at uh, an easy pace for 90 minutes total. So that is going to be pretty consistent. We're going to build up in volume on there. We're going to be trying to get toward two hours, two plus hours. Um, that is a really good spot for a race that is going to take anywhere from an hour to an hour 45, two hours. So we more really want to want to focus the training here like it is a half marathon type of effort because the time domain is pretty similar. So we want to make sure that aerobic work gets up in our big volume workouts so that we can handle the work going forward. For the strength stuff, we're going to be starting a 5-3-1 progression. So we're going to be doing that for back squat and deadlift. I've found this to be the most effective way to put on uh, strength without necessarily needing to put on too much size. Um, so what it is, it's you're going to be doing three total weeks of this progression. Uh, we might add on a little bit more depending on, on how things are going going forward. But it's the first week is five by five, and the percentages are 65, 75, 85. The last set is meant to be uh, like 80% should be about what your five rep max should be. But you're going to do a max set. And so it's going to be five reps at 60, um, five reps at 70, or no, I'm sorry, this is wrong. Five reps at 65, five reps at 75, five reps at 85. So 85 should be around what your five rep max should kind of be. But since it's a max rep, you're going to be doing it for as many reps as you can. So you may find that you are doing it at 80, uh, like you're going to do six to seven to eight reps at that 85%. So it just is a good way to show you're getting stronger without needing to do really high intensity work and doing like one rep maxes all of the time. So that's kind of where we are looking for. So the way you find these percentages going off of that one rep max that you did, uh, the, the formula that gave you your one rep max from your five rep max in that first week, you're going to take that number, you're going to take 10% off of that number, and that's going to be your working max. We can't assume that you're always going to be primed and ready to do a your, your best lift every single time. Plus, when we take 10% off of it, it gives us room to progress and move up. So you, you're going to, you might find that that first, this first phase through, every time you're at that max rep, you're going to do more than the five, three, or the one. And that's great. And that's a good way to kind of indicate that you are getting stronger, that you are you are developing strength. If we kind of get getting stuck, we're going to need to take weight off of that working max. So that's the same for the deadlift as well. So these first three weeks, it's going to be five, five max. The second week is going to be three, three max at higher percentages. And the last week is going to be five, three, one, or five, three max. And you're going to be finishing with max reps at what should be 95% of your working max. So that is, this is a, a really good strength programming. And then uh, that I found works really well to maximize your absolute strength and power. For the most part, it is important to get stronger in high rocks <laughs> and a deck of fate. Like there is an amount in like an OCR or just running in general or whatever, where the strength piece does limit that does like get to a ceiling, but high rocks is kind of more like how CrossFit is. Like if the stronger you can get while continuing to have a big aerobic and base and, and anaerobic ability, the better. So it's not like we need to get cert a certain amount of strong and then stop. Um, where we don't need to do is doing so much strength work that we're putting more time there than we need to, and it's taking away from the aerobic work. That's why in this program, it's only going to be about two real strength programs. It's uh, strength days that are going to be with that are going to have the intent of getting actually stronger. There's going to be some days and some Metcon work in here that is going to help you kind of move through space and using and moving weight, heavy weight at an, a higher tempo, but that's not necessarily to help you get stronger. That's to help your endurance in, in this specific type of events. So you're going to see Monday is going to end with some sort of Metcon each week uh, as a way to help with that type of endurance piece. But for the most part, it's going to be, uh, mostly accessory work after the big lift. So you're gonna be seeing it's gonna be like three by tens, uh, two by fifteens, uh, and things like that, just to kind of really work things up. So the accessory work is gonna be split squats, toast bar, and then some sled pushing. So the sled push, I want to be done in thirty seconds. It should be, it could be the competition weight, or it could be lighter. Something that you could push for the entire thirty seconds. 
And then we're going to mix in, sprinkle in a little bit of anaerobic work here as well on the assault bike. If you have it, you can move around on the rower or skier if you like as well. And what this is going to do is just help kind of keep us primed and ready. It's kind of working your base work in your anaerobic stuff. So we don't want to completely uh, disregard anaerobic work. We're not going to be super anaerobic when it comes to a lot of these workouts. And typically we're going to want to save that type of work for like race specific stuff, but being able, but having the ability to produce lactate so that you're, you can work at a higher rate is something you do need to build. So we don't want to just build it from the ground up when it's time to do some anaerobic work. So doing things like these uh, assault bike repeats, which are just going to be three by 30 calories with a lot of rest. So it's gonna be three by 30 calories, kind of as fast as possible. And then resting for um, two to two and a half minutes just to make sure that you have enough time to recover so you can hit it again. And what this is gonna do is again, help us help train your body to produce lac lactate at a faster, um, more rapidly than what it would typically do. So. When you produce lactate, your body is going to be able to use that as fuel. And eventually you need that as you're going faster and harder and, and not having as much oxygen delivered to your blood, uh, delivered to your muscles, I, I'm sorry. And so that lactate actually is helpful, but the byproduct is pretty painful, right? It's like that burning sensation, but you can train yourself to produce more faster so that you're, when you're going faster, you don't slow down sooner. And you can then train yourself to remove that byproduct. Right now, we're not too worried about the removal of it right now. We just are worried about keeping that production up and ready to go. So that's just going to be once a week. And then there's going to be some EMOM work where it's going to be, this is mostly like skill work. That's going to be more toward DECA and high rock stuff with longer EMOMs where you're just going to be doing 45 seconds of work of one specific movement. Say it's uh, box step overs for 45 seconds. Then you're going to be doing toes to bar. And then, um, so it's just going to be doing 15 to 21 minute work of imams where are moving through three different movements. It's just a fun way to kind of get some easy work in that also helps develop the skill. You're going to see, I do have a lot of easy work built into here. The more easy workouts you can do like on Monday, if you can get some easy aerobic work Wednesday, get, get Wednesday is not optional for the aerobic work, but it's optional to add some Thursday, Friday's aerobic, and then Saturday, some rubric work too. Very, very important that you get this done. Do not just do the strength workouts, the hard Metcon pieces, and then the, the speed workout on Tuesday and then the EMOMs because like you're not going to really get that development that you need in terms of your aerobic capacity, which ultimately is going to be the limiter for this, especially if you're coming from a strength background, you're probably not going to have a huge aerobic um, gas tank there. And with that, with the aerobic gas tank, it, the, the aerobic system really is, is your gas tank, how much fuel you can really hold. It's not like your engine because the hotter your engine burns, the quicker it'll use gas. So what you need is a bigger gas tank. And that's what the aerobic work is going to give you. So you need to do it. It needs to be easy and it needs to be for a long time. So make sure you're doing the aerobic work because if you don't, none of this other stuff will matter. And that's like a guarantee. So if you even just need to do just the aerobic work, you'll probably see bigger, bigger benefits from that than playing around with different stuff and just doing the intensity piece. But we are going to have some some intervals built in here on Tuesday. So what we're going to be doing are called critical velocity uh, uh, intervals. The idea behind this, and I don't know how valid this is, is that it's um, it kind of like there are slow twitch muscle fibers and fast twitch muscle fibers. And then there are muscle fibers that can kind of move in between. I think they're called type 1X or something like that, uh, where you can convert your muscle fibers to, uh, in, in either direction and this critical velocity pace, it's kind of like 10 K pace. It just kind of sits in between both of those. So you're using your muscle fiber, your fast twitch muscle fiber, and then you're, but you're also training it for endurance kind of. So it's like this weird middle ground of, of training for your muscle fiber type that is supposed to improve the endurance of your faster muscle twitch. So like it doesn't convert all of the muscle fibers to slow twitch muscle fibers. Um, so it kind of keeps fast twitch mu muscle fibers at an endurance realm. Again, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I don't know if that actually works that way, but I like the pace of these things. 10 K pace is a good uh, pace to kind of figure out, like you can do a lot at that, but it still feels fast. So it's going to be four by 800. So these four, uh, eight by 400s, I'm sorry. So the 400s, they won't necessarily feel super fast. And then it's going to be 400 meter jog in between. 
and make sure you are jogging these, not slow, not stopping. So you should be able to continuously go throughout these entire reps. How that's going to progress is going to be in um, total duration of the reps. So we're going to start at eight by four. Then we're going to do 10 by four. So we're going to move up in reps there. And then we're going to back things down to 800, six by eight. So this is a pretty big jump. When we go from 400s to 800s, that's going to be mentally challenging, but you're going to be able to do it. And it's one of those things like, oh my God, it's around 400 at this pace. How's an 800 going to go? I promise you'll be able to hit it. And then we're going to move into, uh, eventually we're going to move into thousands as well. We're going to end it and that at uh, five by thousand and move into 1200. So there's going to be about a five week progression at that critical velocity pace. And the rest is going to just kind of continue to work through the EMOMs finishing with some anaerobic work and working on this, this strength piece right now. So most of the quality sessions are the one quality session is going to be on Tuesday. And then we're going to sprinkle in some of the quality sessions through the Metcon work and uh, the skill work on Saturday. So that is really how, and then it's going to progress on the strength stuff. So your Thursday strength session is going to be pretty important as well. Um, and these Tuesday are going to be the quality running session. So we're going to right now just kind of work on getting the base of work in and, and kind of getting that skill work down while having a good quality session on Tuesday and then sprinkling in some of the other work across the board. So it's not going to be like two big sessions per week and the rest are easy. It's going to be kind of one hard session and then a little bit of a hard session on three to four other days. So what, we do this because we don't want to get too caught up in the race demands and try to start hammering it every single day, which is really easy to do, right? Because there are a lot of things to improve upon and it's easy to go too hard uh, all of the time. So the idea here is to make sure we're getting in the appropriate work, we're building strength, but we're also working on our aerobic system and getting that quality session in of that critical velocity. So to make us a little bit faster as well, as we come out of the critical velocity stuff, we're going to see which direction we want to go with that. If we're going to kind of build into a longer aerobic piece um, and spending more time running, or if we want to kind of drill down into some of the faster stuff at this point with this programming, it seems like uh Hyrox is going to be the, the really the, um, biggest part of the, uh, first part of the year. It's like the season ends in May. So a lot of you guys, if you are playing on doing world championships, if you're going to be doing Dallas, if you're going to be doing LA or the New York race, um, we're going to kind of set up a couple of different ways that you can have, uh, figure out the best way to peak for that race without staying in this, uh, this category. So I want you guys to reach out to me if you have a race coming up in the next six to eight weeks, and we can program specifically for that with, uh, with some training that will help you peak a little bit better for this race. Cause right now this is just kind of generally going to make you faster and better, but when we get closer to an event, we want to get much more specific. And the thing with this, with, with group coaching is that it's hard to specifically point uh, everybody to the same event when everybody has different goals. So reach out to me, let me know what, um, when your event is, and if it's like six, eight, four, six, eight weeks of training, and then we'll kind of fit, fit in a way to put a peak training in place. And then also a little bit of a taper as well. So I hope this all makes sense. Let me know what questions pop up on your end and, uh, let's get after it.